You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Boston College, this is A.J. Black. We're back again to talk more about the Syracuse game. And today, joining me is my co-host for the week, or actually co-host every so often with me, it's Eric Hosses. Eric, how's it going? The week, so often, whatever you want to pick. Yeah, it's been a busy week for all of us. Um, Eric, you finally got a chance to watch the game. What were your thoughts about Boston College scraping by against Syracuse 16-13? to well, I think, um, you know, it, it definitely wasn't their best performance of the year. I think everyone will, will call that out. That's very obvious. Um, but, hey, I mean, uh, the thing I look at is uh, when you're a good team, you find ways to win even when you play like your C, C minus, whatever you want to call it, type of performance. And they did that. And in the past, like, I feel like, you know, uh, especially under Coach O'Brien, I, th- I think that's when I remember this started, the WTF game for BC. Like, every year they have one of those, and um, it's it's like they're, you know, they're headed for a, a nice-looking season, and then they lose some game that everyone goes, oh, yeah, yeah, there's the old, there's the old Boston College. And, uh, man, it was uh, – it was scary for a while. It was close, but at the same time, man, Syracuse is um, such a bad team. It's it's almost like even though the score was close, I, I was never really feeling that they were going to lose the game. I don't know. What did you feel? Did you have the same feeling? Yeah, you, you know, I talked a lot. I talked a lot about how BC was able to move the ball pretty well, but um, they were just there was just little glitches where they were they failed to execute. And that, you know, like, for instance, look at the fourth quarter that right after, I think it was the interception, they get that ball and they get it down to like the two yard line. And what do they do? It is a personal foul on CJ Lewis and then a holding call against one of the offensive linemen pulls them right out. Um, There was some other plays that I thought as well, you know, the one where Jakovic just felt like, I think he tripped over David Bailey going backwards. Um, So I thought, those types of plays were what killed BC from scoring points. Cause halfway yesterday when we had the press conference said, you know, if you look at the statistics, this was a game we should have scored 30 points, but we kept leaving points on the board. And um, so that was a big thing I thought of. Now, my question for you, I want to get your perspective on the running game. I talked about this yesterday. And if you haven't uh, listened uh, listeners, go back and listen to what I had to say about the running backs. Um, I thought David Bailey and Travis Levy had good games, but not great games. And what I talked about, and I want to see what your perspective is. They don't seem to have that explosiveness that they had under Adazio. Like the running backs at least don't seem like they can do much more than get those five, six yards and maybe a break off a 10 or 12 yard run here and there. What do you think, what is your perspective on that? Do you think, am I making too much out of that? Or do you see a change in the way the running backs are running, running the ball this year too? No, I mean, Levy does seem like a little slower than last year. Like, I, I remember him last year kind of having maybe an extra pop in his step. Um, so, I don't, I don't know if he's going through something or, or what. But um, with Bailey, I, I don't know. My, kind, my 
hypothesis hypothesis with uh Bailey has been I feel like he was a lot more effective as like a you know 10 to 12 touch guy a game as opposed to 20 to 25 and um that that's certainly looking to be the case um you know I I thought the running game was pretty was pretty good you know they 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 average what four and a half yards a carry or something like that um that being said like on the season Q's averages giving up 4.77 yards carry so bc actually was a tick worse than other teams have fared against against syracuse um so i mean it's i'll say this it's better than it was at the start of the year certainly much better than it was against texas state when we all were panicking that they couldn't get anything going against that defense on the ground um but i i don't know at this at this point, this many games into the season, I think it kind of is what it is. It's nice to be able to lean on them a little bit in a game against a bad Syracuse team, but um, it, it's pretty clear now against um, the superior competition if the, the BC passing game isn't going, BC is just not going to win the game because I just don't think their running game is any kind of a, a weapon of any sort. And I, I also wonder, too, looking at the way that they run the ball. I mean, Levy's a little bit different than Bailey, but I, I have to look at their running backs. And when you look at what Signetti used in the past in terms of their, their backs, who was one of his biggest running backs? It was Deion Lewis, who's more of a speed back than anything that BC has right now. And if you look at who BC's recruiting, the two running backs that they have coming in next year, uh, Lewis Bond and Xavier Coleman, are both kind of in that Deion Lewis mold. So I feel like the running game is doing what it can, given the, the, the pieces that Adazio left behind. But I, I have to wonder if we'll see a totally different running game in two years under Signetti, because I don't feel like this type of power run with like a big hefty back like Bailey is what he really wants to do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes with that. Now, Eric, um, let's look at the defense. I yesterday said, and I've said it on the site, that I thought this was one of the best games the defense has played all year. What was your analysis? What were your takeaways about the way that the, the game was played? Yeah, I, I agree they did. And um, it, it was it was nice to see because, uh, honestly, that Q's offense isn't very good. So it would have been kind of disheartening to see Syracuse put up like 28, 35 points in a game like that. but the BC defense did their job. And my, my biggest take, takeaway was Max Richardson. I, you know, I think um, BC fans have kind of been dis, a little disappointed with him this year, uh, just, you know, based on his, his preseason accolades and kind of um, expectations for the season. I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know. I'm sure he would admit it too, that he hasn't really lived up to expectations this year, but, um, he certainly did against Syracuse um, in that game, particularly after McDuffie went down. Um, and that was, that was a step in, in the right direction. And I hope he kind of uses this as maybe a springboard to finish the season strong. What did you think about the defense? Yeah, so what I, I mentioned yesterday, I talked a lot about Richardson. I thought he had an incredible game. The one I, I – and I don't mind mentioning him again that I thought stood out really well was John Lamott I thought played – much quicker than he did last year. He looked much faster out there and slimmed down. And I don't know if he, you know, took off some weight to get himself a little bit more quicker, but he looked much more like he belonged out there and not the, the big bulky bat, uh, linebacker that we're used to that we saw last year. Um, I thought that was, that was good. And I also talked a lot about Chapuzzi and Wuka who 
had been kind of buried in the depth chart. He was behind DJ Ram and uh, I thought he had a good game as well. So Eric, um, we're going to see you again later this week about Notre Dame. Uh, before you go, one last question. What were your thoughts about Notre Dame in that game against Clemson on Saturday night? I was completely shocked by the outcome. And, uh, well, Clemson, I, I have to have serious concerns about their, their defense right now. Um, they kind of – I'm still kind of wondering how they bottlenecked BC up in the second half last week, but especially after BC – had tons of success in the first half. And then on the heels of that game, Notre Dame kind of moved it around on Clemson. Like I I've really, I've watched a few Notre Dame games this year and I haven't seen them move quite that easily all year. So I don't, I don't know what was going on with the Clemson defense in that game, but uh, yeah, totally shocking outcome. But uh, if you're a BC fan, you have to be, have to be happy about that. Cause that certainly uh, makes this game this weekend, all the bigger. We're going to talk more about Notre Dame with Eric Hofsis later this week. Eric, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Later on in the show today, we're going to talk about bowl projections and where Boston College could be ending up. And we're also going to talk a little bit about where Coach Halfley, uh, what Coach Halfley had to say um, about his own coaching abilities and some of the mistakes that he made. We're going to hear from him, Coach Halfley himself and from one of his press conferences. But before we do that, we need to chill. And when I chill, I grab an ice cold Coors Light. It is the perfect beer to chill when you're just looking to watch sports. Life right now is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. We're getting close to the holidays with work, family, friends, a million pressing issues. You need to hit that reset button. When I do, I reach for an ice cold Coors Light. It's made to chill. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on, you can always grab an ice cold Coors Light. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and as refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, and it's perfect for a moment to unwind. So talk about what you need. You need an ice cold Coors Light. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button, when you are just burnt out from a busy day, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered directly to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Um, you know, certainly not our cleanest game and, and, and probably not our best when we go back and look at it. But at the end of the day, we're 5-3. and three. The team that was picked to finish 15th in the ACC. Just won our fourth ACC game. And I told the guys in the locker room, I don't care what the score is. When we win a game, I expect the music to be blaring, the guys to be enjoying it with each other because they're hard. And that team fought hard and coming up to the dome wasn't going to be easy. Um, there's things we have to clean up. There's things I have to clean up. I certainly didn't coach my best game today, and I'll be the first to admit it. Um, you know, I thought Syracuse fought really hard. Uh, Dino, uh, coach Babers and his staff thought they had a good game plan. They came out swinging and and um, just love the way we finished the game at the end. The old line and the running backs getting the first down. Um, so we'll look at the tape closely, and uh, we'll get better, and we'll move on to the next game. If any questions, I'll be happy to answer. Locked on Boston College. That was Jeff Halfley, Boston College head coach, after the game against Syracuse. Now, those were some of his comments, he said, and I thought that was interesting, the, um, you know, the, the topic that he brought up, which – 
he comes up again and again with Halfley, which is, I've got to do better. And Halfley brings that up, you know, he whenever there's an issue, like, for instance, some of the personal foul issues, he's very good at deflecting the blame from players and putting it upon himself, which I think is a good sign of a good coach. You never want to throw your players under the bus to the media. So Halfley will just go out and he'll say, you know, that was me. I got to do a better job coaching. Now, on a Saturday night when he mentioned, oh, I've got to do better, I have to do a better job coaching, it left me wondering, what does he mean? Because he says that all the time, but he never really clearly defines what he's talking about. So on Sundays, Jeff Halfley has his second press conference. All of these are by Zoom. And I asked him, I just said, hey, you know, coach, what are some of the things that you mean? Like when you say, I got to do a better job coaching, what what are you talking about? Give me some, give me an example. And this was his response. Um, you know, there's a couple of things for sure. But the one example is, remember, we tried to field goal when the ball's on the 36 yard line. You know, I should have gotten to the offense quicker. Um, you know, I believe on as soon as it got to about second down where we were on the field, I should have told coach Ignetti, you know, whether or not I was thinking four downs, usually I do a pretty good job of that four downs, three downs where he needs to get that way, you know, on the third down, if I was thinking four down and I gave him the head up, he could have run the ball. He could have thrown an intermediate pass. Instead, he went for the first down, you know, at the sticks, which I believe was third and 10. Um, and then it came up to a fourth and 10. And then I had the decision to make fourth and 10 at that time. I didn't feel like, we were moving the ball well enough to get. So I decided to kick the field goal. And I trusted Boom just because if you watch Boom in the dome pregame, he was like, he was just drilling them. Um, you know, but I should have done a better job there. As I, told, I should have told Frank ahead of time, four down territory, uh, you got four downs. And then third down would have played like second, fourth down would have played like third down. Um, so I was, I was upset with myself on that. That's just one example where AJ, I just, I, I got to do so as you can hear from what Halfley had to say, it had to do with communication with Frank Signetti. Now, that's interesting because I think we all watch Jeff Halfley now and we see him as this you know, solid coach who makes good, sound decisions. And I think it's refreshing to hear that he too still makes mistakes and he's able to acknowledge them. It's easy enough to say like, oh, I can do this and I can't do that. But to go out and say, hey, I screwed up here, that, that takes a lot. And I think it's hard to forget, hard to remember that he's a first-year head coach. I mean, we watched the game on Saturday. If you watched him a lot of times, especially when they were on offense, you saw Rud Chininsky, a former uh, Browns coach, and you know he's got a huge resume. Uh, he's been that kind of behind-the-scenes guy for Jeff Halfley. And someone I'm going to probably talk to Halfley about more as we get uh, further along in the season. I'm, I'm curious what he does. Um, he seems, he strikes me as the kind of guy, he's an offensive mind, he, you know, he was a tight ends coach and he's had experience doing that kind of stuff. Um, he, he strikes me as the kind of guy that could give Halfley those moments where he could ha kind of explain these types of things to him because Halfley has to learn. He's only been a defensive coach before and he has not had the opportunity to do these types of things. So he, it's, these are new experiences for him, even though he's a, you know, a new coach, he's five and three, he has all the confidence in the world. Everyone's already talking about where his next step is going to be. Remember, he's only a first year coach 
And he's going to make these ma mistakes, and he acknowledges that. He's learning, just like a lot of the younger players are learning. So uh, that was just one of the big takeaways from Halfley's press conference. Um, the final clip from Jeff Halfley's pro press conference I want to go over has to do with the injury to Isaiah McDuffie. Um, Julian Benbow of um, The Globe brings up the question because on the telecast, it was hard to see what happened. And Julian was at the game. He couldn't even see what happened. So he asked Halfley what he had to say, and Halfley had to say this. Tell what happened, Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah was injured in the game and um, early in the game, the first quarter, and he couldn't return. I'll meet with the trainers later on in the day to, to figure out if he'll return or not and exactly what's going on. So I'll get you the injury on him on Tuesday, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll have him back in practice on Tuesday. I'll let you know after the day. So when you're listening to an injury report, those coach speak type of things can be hard to parse out because as we heard earlier this year, like when Dion Jones got hurt, it was halfway made it sound like he was coming back. Um, but you know, Jones missed multiple games because of the injury. Now, with Mike Duffy, the one piece that made me think, ooh, he could be coming back soon, was the fact that Halfley said he's going to see the trainer. It wasn't he's going to get an MRI. He wasn't going to see the team doctor. He's going to see the trainer. So that makes me think that McDuffie might be back on Saturday, and that would be huge for Boston College because they need their linebacker help with, with the way that the Isaiah, um, with the Notre Dame – running backs have been playing. So I thought that was an interesting quote. Um, all of those videos are all courtesy of um, bceagles.com. So thank you to the production team that put those in. Um, now coming up, we're going to talk about bowl projections because at five and three, Boston College is sitting on the precipice of going to yet another bowl game. And we're going to look at some of what the media has that projected them to go to who they could be playing, and where they could be heading coming up in December or January. Before we do, I want to talk to you about Built Go. Built Go is by the makers of Built Bar. If you heard about them yesterday, Built Bars are an unbelievable energy bar or a nutritional bar that you can have that comes in a variety of flavors. But Built Go, this is made for breaking through your wall. Now, what do you what do I mean by wall? You ever hit that moment at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the day where you're just like drained and you just want to take a nap? Well, Built Go is giving you that natural energy that helps you focus plus protein that is going to give you lasting energy. And it's amazing. It's better than a cup of coffee because it's all natural. Okay, You can put – it's a one-and-a-half-ounce package that you can just throw in your backpack – your workout gear, your golf bag, whatever you, whatever you're using to get going, Built Go is there. For me, they have three delicious flavors: peanut butter, honey, chocolate mint. But my favorite, chocolate coconut. It is delicious. Um, it's like drinking a Monster Energy with a third of the caffeine and better results. And I want to tell you, if you visit Built Go now and use the promo code Locked, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! This is Locked on Boston College. I am AJ Black. Now let's look at bowl projections. So we have talked about how BC's playing, you know, that they're going to be 
they're going to be going to a bowl game because as you as you've heard probably earlier this year, the bowl uh, selection committee basically threw out all of the um, requirements that you have to have to make it to a bowl. So technically, a two and nine Florida State team could end up at the Gator Bowl, but um, we don't know what this, the conferences have done in terms of making sure that each team gets to what bowl they should be. So we'll see what that ha- looks like. But let's look at where some of the options are for Boston College moving forward. Let's look at the bowls that they have been projected for. Now, if you looked a few weeks ago, everyone was talking um, online about them going to the Fenway Bowl. But the Fenway Bowl has been canceled for this year. It's not going to start until next year. Which, honestly, for me, I am glad that Boston College is not heading, heading to the Fenway Bowl because... That seems like the bowl that is going to be the go-to for Boston College moving forward, and I am not a fan of uh, baseball and a ba- uh, football in a baseball stadium. But if you hate baseball, football in a baseball stadium, let's look at the other projection that BC has been heading to, and that is the Pinstripe Bowl. So Boston College has been to the Pinstripe Bowl twice since 2014. They lost to Penn State and they lost to Iowa. Now the projections I saw, both of the ESPN guys, Kyle Senegora and Mark Shablock. Both have BC in the pinstripe bowl playing Purdue. Now, I hated the last pinstripe bowl. Watching A.J. Dillon run around and look like he's sliding on ice was not my um, definition of fun. It's not a great stadium to watch a game. It's cold. It's miserable. Um, So I am not high on that. Uh, Purdue would be fun. Uh, Rondale Morris back. And it would be great to see BC get a a little of... um, piece of revenge there that would be one of the talking points of that is bc is zero and two in the pinstripe bowl they lost to purdue a couple years ago It'd be two ghosts that uh halfley could vanish if he could win that game so that's the one positive other than that i have no interest in watching bc in the pinstripe bowl and the other i mean the other other positive is that um it's local they don't have to travel that far um that would be nice there's not going to be fans there i'm sure so the pinstripe bowl is one the other bowl i have seen quite a bit um has been the Sun Bowl, which would be against a Pac-12 team. I've seen different Pac-12 teams projected to go there. So uh, recently I saw Washington on there. This week I saw 247 having them. I, it might have been 247. might have been another program. Um, I saw them p- playing Utah. Uh, I Sign me up for either of those games. I, I, would, I, I have said for years I want to see BC in the Sun Bowl. So if they could head there, that's a great um, – it's a higher ACC Bowl – against a good quality Pac-12 opponent. Perfect way to end the season. It's in the warmer weather out west. Uh, it's December 31st game. Yes, 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 yes. Get us to the Sun Bowl. The other bowls, I've seen different ones. I've seen the Gasparilla Bowls. Two thumbs down on that. I do not want to play in the Gasparilla Bowl. I saw one today, I think, Gasparilla Bowl against Ole Miss. Um, that would be fun, though. Having BC play against Lane Kiffin would be kind of hilarious because Kiffin's, uh, I, I think of him as kind of a hot mess, but he does what he does. The other uh, bowl I saw today, which um, I thought was interesting, was the Gator Bowl, which is one of the top BC uh, ACC bowls, and I saw BC playing LSU. Whoa. Can you imagine that? So Boston College possibly playing in a bowl game against the defending national champions. Now, LSU is clearly not the same team that they were last year. They don't have Joe Burrows. They don't have any of their wide receivers. Their defense definitely looks more suspect. Um, but if you get a BC to play LSU, I don't care who is playing for them. Yes, yes, that would be great. 
but that's going to be a, that would be a tough pull. Um, you know, it's a great bull. It's got a, you know, good reputation, but you know, they could easily go with any other ACC program over BC. BC has got to, got to take care of business and win those games to get to a bull like the Gator bull. So we're going to look into, so let's look at what we have for the rest of the week. Cause I am so excited. Last week I made the joke. Someone had said to me online, how are you going to fill out five days a week? I'm telling you, I have so many ideas and things to do. I can't fill five days. I have more than enough to fill five days a week. So here's what I got coming up. Tomorrow, we're going tomorrow we're gonna have Irish Breakdown, uh, one of my other SI um, websites. They're gonna send one of their podcasters over to talk to us about Notre Dame. One of two Notre Dame people we're gonna have on during this week. Uh, we're also gonna talk to Dan Rubin again. Dan's gonna come back. He was he had such a great time last time that he wanted to come back and talk Irish football with us. So Dan will be back. We're also going to have Eric Hoffs to come back as well to preview the Notre Dame game. And we're going to have Locked On Notre Dame coming on later this week uh, to talk even more about uh, the Notre Dame game. So we have we have guests all up and down this week. Um, and I'm working on some hosts, uh, some guests that are even more exciting than this. You're going to want to you're going to want to subscribe to this. So this is AJ Black. We're going to wrap up our conversation today. Thank you all for listening. If you haven't done so already, subscribe and like us on um, your favorite podcast directory. And if you don't mind, if you're on Apple, give us a five-star review. I've seen so many of you guys. If you did that, I saw a whole bunch of you guys already did it. Thank you. Thank you so much. We got like 25 new um, five-star reviews on uh, Apple, and I would love to get more. So if you're listening to this and you haven't already, please subscribe and uh, give us a five-star review on Apple. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBC. And my site, uh, I work for BC Bulletin. Check out BCBulletin.com. I have tons of information on this upcoming game and reviews um, and analysis of previous games and all sorts of breaking news as well. So if you like recruiting, if you like basketball, I've got you covered. I'm going to be going to the women's basketball uh, media day next week. So Tons of information, tons of content. You're not going to get it anywhere else. Head over to BC Bulletin. So I will be back tomorrow with more. Thank you all for following and take care and have a great day, everyone.